It's your sophomore year in this position. The sophomore year is always the hardest. They were the, these were the words of my supervisor when I served as the Raleigh Area Baptist Campus Minister, um, and which included for NC State. I'd come to him really overwhelmed, anxious, in tears. I felt like I didn't know what I was doing. I had a small group of students that were really unhappy with me as their campus minister. They didn't believe I was doing a good job and they went out of their way to let me know that. Um, some uh, would spend hours in my office airing their grievances. Uh, one actually came into my office and yelled at me. Um, looking back, I know now that they were some unhealthy individuals um, at that time in their lives. And they were unhappy that the organization was moving in a healthy direction. I've, I've learned now that sometimes when an organization moves toward health, unhealthy people have trouble finding themselves in the system anymore. But at that time, I couldn't find that perspective. <laughs> I was in my 20s. I felt like I'd been given this great opportunity. I, I needed to do it just right. I just couldn't figure out what that just right way was. I was through my first year, and so some of that honeymoon grace that exists uh, uh, was gone. Um, it had no was no longer being extended. I was feeling like I'd been doing this for a year, and so I should have it all figured out. I should have all the answers. I should know what I was doing. And all I had were more questions. I should know what I was doing, but instead, I just felt lost. I had no answers, and the list of questions was growing by the day, as was my anxiety. This had led to this little session with my supervisor. His explanation of the sophomore year um, has proved true for me over and over again. The second year is hard. And it hits with a punch every time because I always forget that it's about to be hard. Suddenly, any grace the first year had uh, was something is over. The novelty is gone. I feel like I should have all the answers and all I ever have are more questions and more anxiety about why I can't figure this out. I've been thinking about that sophomore year explanation as we come into our second year of the pandemic. I know that if you're like me, you're a little tired of seeing everyone maybe share on social media about uh, their last post. This was the last post before we knew. Uh, this was the last picture before we knew everything was going to be in chaos. There's nothing wrong with those, but it's been a week of those kinds of posts. But I did not feel like we could come into worship today and not mark what has been and where we still find ourselves this morning. I couldn't not acknowledge our sophomore year. I feel like at this point of the pandemic, I should be more settled in this, able to function better. It shouldn't feel like each week is filled with new decisions about where to go out in person and, and when to go out in person and when to not go out in person. I should not have this level of anxiety running through me at all times. I should be used to this. I should have adapted. I should know what to do. Let me be clear that starting a new job or a new role or a new school is very different than living through a pandemic. 
those things are normal. There is space to grow into those roles um, and opportunities. This is not normal. It should never feel normal. The world is really changing every week. And so it does feel like we can't get a strong footing because the ground really is always changing beneath our feet. That's not just in your own mind. But that is part of the sophomore syndrome. You feel like you've been doing something long enough that no matter what changes, no matter what the extenuating circumstances are, you should be able to figure this out. The kind of pressure that we put on ourselves to have things figured out, to be better at things, to be able to manage it all is quite honestly ridiculous at times. And this pandemic packs a whopper. As we're entering our second year, we're filled with a mix of hope as vaccines come, as the weather warms up, like Michael talked about earlier, and we can be around one another outside as we start to think of what's possible on the other side of what we're living right now. But what is the other side? What does it mean to be on the other side of COVID-19? Will we ever really be on the other side? And why do we still feel so anxious? Why can we not make our minds work like they did? Why do we feel tired or forgetful? Sure, we're entering our second year of a world health crisis, but we've been doing this for a year. Shouldn't we have this figured out by now? If any of that resonates with you, I, I did include a link to a great article um, about the biology of why we're feeling like we do. Um, I included that in last week's email. I encourage you to read it. It made me feel so much better about what I'm experiencing. Our scripture reading this morning was a psalm of praise and worship. However, it's not one of the psalms that's written by David. Um, it is not written during the time before he was king or while he was king. It was written much later, after the fall of Jerusalem. This was a verse written uh, probably to those um, who were in exile. Looking at the language, it looks like it is actually a late exilic period. So folks who had been in the exile for a long time. When Jerusalem fell, many of the Jews were relocated to new places, to new lands, to new countries. They were powerless here. They thought this season would end soon, that God would avenge them, would redeem them quickly. How could this happen? How could the children of God be uprooted so quickly? <laughs> Even though God had been talking to them for generations about this coming. And now they're generations into the exile. How could this still be going on? But here in the exile, God was doing new things for them. The promised ending was still coming, though it may not have appeared to be on the horizon. Um, but that, that was worthy of a new song. The songs and sounds we hear <clears throat> have a way of shaping our mood, shaping our outlook while they're able to bring about deep memories. We hear birds chirping. I don't know if you can hear it, probably not, but there is a really loud bird that likes to perch himself right outside of my office window, and I love it, but he's out there singing right now. Makes me feel like spring is coming. We hear the sound of a baby laughing, and we're filled with hope and joy. 
Yesterday, I turned on music. The Frank Sinatra radio station on Pandora, on um, Spotify, excuse me. And the first song to play was um, Que Sera Sera. Um, I teared up because this song takes me back to my grandfather, who used to break out into this song and many others all of the time. Songs have the power to change us. In 1991, at the Super Bowl in Tampa, Whitney Houston gave our country hope with her rendition of the national anthem. It came at a particularly patriotic time, just at the ons- just after the onset of the Persian Gulf War. She gave a soulful and beautiful rendition of the national anthem, backed by a huge orchestra. But when she came out onto the field, she was dressed in a windsuit. Remember those things? She looked like a soccer mom dressed in her patriotic colored outfit. She looked like a black soccer mom. And while critics ahead of the performance were, were critical, with the, with the Super Bowl officials even asking her to re-record her performance, her performance energized a nation. It was a sound, it was a song we needed at a particular time. It was so powerful that it was re-released after the September 11th attacks. Uh, Houston donated all of the proceeds to the song both time it, uh, both times it was released to charity. Not this one, but a nonprofit. In the old sitcom of the 90s and the early 2000s, um, uh, uh, the quirky kind of weird Allie McBeal uh, was once told by her therapist to pick a theme song for herself. She was then to listen to it in her mind at times of worry or distress when she was feeling down. She was supposed to let her mind play this theme song when she walked into a room and she was feeling a little insecure, when she came into contact with uh, people that made her nervous. She picked an old classic called Tell Him, a song that was supposed to help her with her trials of love, which was like the theme of the show. The idea was that this song would give her confidence, give her focus, give her purpose. The idea swept throughout the office um, during other seasons with characters choosing different theme songs for their own lives, different ones for different seasons. And no one else could hear the songs, but we were let into the little secret that they were occasionally playing that theme song in their head whenever they needed a little extra oomph whenever they needed to feel joy or needed to feel strong. It would be the soundtrack that they would play in their own mind while going about their life. If the pandemic had a soundtrack, had a theme song, what would it be? Maybe it would be horns from drive-by celebrations, the oven dinging to tell you that the banana bread is ready, the sighs, from one more thing canceled. The sound of our loved ones through a Zoom call or the phone. Birds at bird feeders that we've become obsessed with watching. The voices of our family members all the time because we're all in the house together all the time. Or maybe more silence than we're used to. The voices of government officials as they give us the latest reports and updates. Psalm 98 says, Oh, sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. 
This was written to a people who were in exile, not in their ancestral home, not in a place of power, not in a place of comfort. They were in the in-between of the big promise of their generations that, that they would be able to return to Jerusalem. Their song would include praise and hopes, words and melodies for the time when their hope would be fully realized, when all things would come to pass. But the psalmist is saying here, sing a new song, because even now, even where you are, even in this middle place, God is doing new things among you. And so it is for us this morning. This is a season in which we can sing a new song, a song of celebration of what has been, what is now, and what is to come. This morning, we're going to do some individual reflection time. We're going to have a longer reflection time about this past year, and we're going to use the sense of hearing for that focusing on the sounds and the songs of our past year and thinking about what is to come. This is why we asked you to have something to write on and write with. This morning, we're asking you to begin reflecting. And I do say begin reflecting because I know some of you will have answers that like come in your head immediately. Others, this will just begin the process of reflecting over the next few weeks. There are multiple layers of questions here sometimes, and the point's not to move through each one and give just a quick little answer for each one. It's for you to look at them collectively and, and get yourself thinking, to use them to guide your reflection. The first question, and, and I'll have these up on the screen during our reflection time, is what have been the sounds or the songs of the last year for you? What do you grieve the most from this year and what do you want to remember? What is your sound and song right now for this in-between space, for this sophomore year in transition? And finally, what are the sounds you want to hear and the song you want to be the soundtrack of your future? If nothing comes to mind right now, just reflect on the words of the song that we heard earlier also. It claims that God is the God of our beginning, our middle, and our end. God holds it all together. Wherever you feel you are in this story this morning, God is there. God is guiding and God is moving.